Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Joe. What's up, Matt? Let's go to the mall <laughs> today. Oh, God. So here we are with the mallisode. Not it's does not roll name. off the tongue. It's yeah. actual name. What a horrible name of an episode. Now, you've given this another name that I actually think is a better name for it. Yes, this is also canonically known as the Beckisode. Yes. Which, I like that name more. Yeah. They should have just <laughs> renamed it or like, you know, put in quotes. Well, cuz here's the thing. Beck plays throughout everybody's story. The mall is only like a third of the episode. Yeah. It's mainly about Beck. It's mainly about Beck. I mean, this episode I think is one of the episodes that brought into mind the idea of even doing song of the episode because mm-hmm. I think even I remember this being advertised like, oh, you've got to watch the OC tonight. You're going to hear sneak peeks of like four different new Beck songs off his upcoming album. Mm -hmm. Like it was it was really being pushed as a uh, promotional tool Mm -hmm. at that point, which is which is crazy. All in all, not not the best episode, not the worst episode. I still really liked the rainy day way more than this, but uh We'll get there. There is one part where my brain went down way too many paths. Um, but piece by piece, let's get there. Let's start with with the Fantastic Four that makes up the mall portion of the mall episode first. Sure, actually. sure, sure. Uh, so we kick off this episode. Ryan is feeling all up in his feelings because Lindsay has left. Um, he's being a little bit of a baby about stuff. I have to say, like, mm-hmm. he has that line where he's just like, you know, I just thought I was done with people leaving me. And it's like, motherfucker, for a season and a half, no one else has left you. Like, let's not. And she had very good reasons to leave. Her mom was leaving town and her dad is Caleb. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like That was great. like, like, yeah, of course, you're going to fucking leave with those options. But I did find it very cute that Seth was willing to uh, offer Captain Oates as comfort 
uh, to Ryan during his trying time, uh, like a true 10 year old trapped in the body of a 17 year old. He thought that maybe this toy horse can fix everything for you. And then it implies right before we get that sweet theme song that Ryan is possibly running away. Who knows? We see a bag and him loading it with clothes. What could this mean? Um, He does love a dramatic packing sequence and he's wearing his traveling hoodie. Yes. He's got his travel hoodie and his uh, travel tank top on. So you know that he means business. Yeah. Um, we also catch my my favorite character introduction of this entire episode is when we uh, we see that Alex has finally caught up with the rest of the world on how much Marissa sucks mm-hmm. as she's just like it's like yeah I would love to go to the beach but I got a fucking job like why don't yeah you, like... yeah that like we had smoothed over like passive and went straight to angry like just like yeah yeah i would love to go to the beach but um you see this apartment that you're living in for free basically and we're late on rent for reasons now and you don't do anything and you're very expensive to be around you ruin my clothes like i love that when marissa's like cleaning up the house half of it is like beer cans she's just like (laughs) cleaning up alcohol bottles like just she's the worst she's the absolute worst um, do we think it's her own do we think it's just like her own beer can't like oh yeah she just sits alone in the house and drinks all day that's what happens and that's why alex is fed up with her that's my guess seth and summer are back together and they're fucking disgusting yeah. they are the, they are like i i i am currently in a new relationship it is uh, a very interesting exciting thing uh, as someone who's been single for 16, 17 years now. And I feel bad sometimes because the the person that I'm with is a very overly affectionate person. And I love being overly affectionate uh, when it's just the two of us alone. But being a single person for as long as I have been, uh, I am like public displays of that level of affection mm-hmm. is so like taint it for me now by like knowing what it feels like to be on the other end of that where you're just like the lonely guy sitting on the couch while like couples are just like my schmoopy and like making out with each other and shit so like seth and summer are like already just in full-blown gross non-stop making out in front of their friends stage of their relationship and then like Seth's trying to figure out why Ryan doesn't want to come to the diner with the two of them. Like, I've got a fucking idea because you probably wouldn't keep your hands off of each other, you psychopaths. Yeah. There's that moment where they get to the mall and, like, it's like, we're having fun. And then they just, like, start attacking each other's faces. Just attacking each other's faces. It's so gross. Um, They they make a plan that Summer's going to invite Marissa to come with her to the mall and that Seth should also invite Ryan and that hopefully like the two of them can work out their shit and yeah. that they can like be the, the core for all over again. Um, yes. But that's when Seth realizes that Ryan's missing mm-hmm. and he goes and finds Ryan uh, attempting to go visit Lindsay. And Ryan confirms like, look, I'm not running away. This was just going to be like a weekend visit or whatever. And Seth does have a very uh, self-reflective line where he says, no, running away would be a very Seth Cohen move. And then says, look, man, come with me to the mall. And if you still want to go visit Lindsay after this fun day at the mall, like 
I will personally drive you to the train station Mm -hmm. and I'll come up with the cover story uh, so that, you know, mommy and daddy Cohen don't have any questions about where you are. Uh, So they go. This is the part that I was a little confused by, though. So they show up at the mall. Why are they in this back warehouse area of the store? Because, again, in true OC fashion, uh, they are doing some sort of charity work for the less fortunate, um, which like the girl who is running the charity or like running that event, she's like, oh, these poor women, someone should get a restraining order against this coat. I'm like, ah, what? Ah, what? What? I can't. I was like, oh, no, no, not this. This not this. I can't have this. So <laughs> I think they're like separating out people who have been collecting donations at a shop and now they're like processing it so that way it can actually go to the charity. So we're talking about like they're in the somehow inside the mall is what is essentially the back of like the Goodwill distribution center where like people just drop off a bunch of their crap to Goodwill and then there's people whose job is literally to sift through it, decide what it should be priced at or if it's something that they can even sell it said Goodwill and then uh you know put it out on the racks so they're just like combing through clothes right now for for whatever and no one's going to check in on them apparently not apparently everyone at that store is just so how would i say this self-absorbed that they completely forget that there are four teenagers in the back um and i can just totally see it like that girl she the girl who is they're running the event she's all like hey we're closing early today and okay so you're closing early today but like doesn't go back to check on them again yeah no she's done her she's done as much work as she can possibly do joe this is apparently uh i want to check something actually because that girl looked familiar to me for a split second and now i'm curious if i'm Okay, no, it's not her. I thought for for a millisecond that it was um because she's so she's so quick in the episode. I thought it was Harmony from uh, Buffy and Angel that like let them in the back. Like she had, does like, look similar, familiar. Yeah, like she had like a similar like personality and look. And I'm like, is that a Harmony from Buffy? But I just checked that actress's uh, IMDb, and it it is not her. Um, Do you know who she looks they like? Get, Who's she look like? Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I could see. But yes. with blonde hair. With blonde hair. Yeah, I could see that too. Um, There is a really great joke where they realize they're locked in this room. And uh, Ryan says, oh, we should uh, we should probably call somebody. And then, <laughs> and then Summer presses her face against the door and just yells, help really loud. And Seth just goes, on the phone. We should call like. Um, and then of course they find out they have no signal he asks ryan if he can pick a lock which ryan is immediately offended by uh and then they're kind of trapped in this back area for a little bit and that's where ryan hears that marissa has never stopped thinking about that sexy sexy ryan um and suddenly it's like Lindsay who yeah (laughs) (laughs) i i guess this is the true series wrap on Lindsay. 
because I bet we never hear her mentioned again. Yeah, I from mean, this point on, maybe a little <laughs> bit, but he, actually, you're. I would probably venture to guess with ninety percent certainty that we will never hear Lindsay's name again. Yeah, and from anybody, from Caleb, her fucking father, from Kirsten, yep, no, her got, sister. Well, I mean, how many more episodes do we possibly have Caleb here anyway? But I mean, <laughs> like the, but, the thing about this particular episode, right, is that it is so clearly transparently again as you and i as like as as like very avid watchers of television and understand like television writing convention this is so like this could be the season premiere of a new series of a new season yeah it's writing off old characters and moving us into the future like i'm positive that we are about to write off alex in an episode or two like all of the pieces are put on the board for that next transition. But that's the thing that you and I have already figured out watching the OC is like, there is no season one, season two, Joe. Mm -hmm. It's like season 1.1, season 1.2, season 1.3. And there's just these mini five episode season arcs that literally tell an entire season's worth of story with a nice cap to end every season and then yeah you get like a transition episode and then you get the new mini season inside of the season like over and over and over again yeah i actually wrote we'll get to it in a second but i wrote a thing down tied to the julie cooper story where i was just like does this drama never take a break <laughs> like it's just like it's like oh we wrapped up this story so now here's a new character to add the it's kind of like watching the walking dead where they yeah. just keep finding new communities of people every season. Yeah. Like it's like, uh, did this virus kill anybody? It's <laughs> <laughs> just like you're like, okay, here's the other dark person from one of the adults past. Sure, that's going to show up yeah. and shake shit up for a couple episodes, and then just disappear and never be talked about again. I may have for mentioned the rest of the show. I may have mentioned this on a previous episode, but I was like rewatching The Walking Dead for a hot second. And yeah. I was trying, like, with the full intention of making it to the end of the series, and I got to the you point, I got it's to the point where I like stopped watching live, <laughs> which is like at the end of where they kill Glenn. And again, spoiler alert: it's been out for many for a long time. And then I just got tired of like King Elijah, and was like, no, no, there's a king and a kingdom and a tiger and a man with dreads. Who is like walking around saying like, you know, Sally Forth, Tally Ho. This is, is going to sound terrible. I have a cousin who was a character on The Walking Dead that I guess was big enough that they made an action figure of her. Lovely. And I've still never seen past the first episode of this damn show. Like, I, <laughs> I've, I've never... I, I liked the first episode and then I didn't have AMC at the time. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, I'll get around to it. And then it was just like from that point on, every single season just felt like more and more people were falling off. It was kind of like American Horror Story. Yeah. Like at a certain point, you're like, how many times do I need to watch American Horror Story when it seems like every season people are checking out in bigger and bigger numbers? Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, not not a major loss as far as uh, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned on not watching The Walking Dead. Um, now we're still in this goddamn mall. They finally get out of the mall, which is a huge win for them. Mm -hmm. This is where I'm sitting there thinking these entitled idiots have not even considered the fact that security cameras exist. 
like, like especially like at the mall in Orange at, County with all these fucking white people. Where like this mall from the outside, from the exterior, like um the like aerial shots, it looks like the fucking Mall of America. Like you would swear <laughs> that this mall is acres long, acres large, and like loss prevention at a place like this is gonna be like pretty serious. Yeah, it's it's absurd. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's it's all it's all of those things. Um. I wrote down that this is the first time I think I've seen people try to live in the mall overnight that wasn't in a horror movie. So big win there uh, yeah. for the OST. <laughs> I uh, actually thought I thought about that. I was like, I think Matt will appreciate this episode for yeah. for just the like, oh god, Daniel Palladino yeah, antics of it all. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 chopping mall without the murder. I think the hardest I laughed in this entire episode comes from this moment though. And it's they're all in changing rooms, leaving messages for their parents, like basically lying about where they are. So like Summer says that she's hanging out with Marissa and Marissa says that she's staying with her mom and like so on and so forth. And then it gets to Seth and he just goes, hey, mom, dad, uh, Ryan and I are trapped inside the mall. So we're just going to stay here for the night. I'll see you in the morning. Like I may need the the credit card. (laughs) Yeah, I may need the credit card. Like the absolute sincerity is so funny to me with that and then the mall episode gets weird uh so (laughs) so they play hockey they play hockey to determine where they're gonna sleep and they set up a fake camping area in the middle of the mall but first of all they're playing hockey like it's goddamn clerks like they're just playing on the roof of a goddamn store or whatever but then they set up this fake campground seth tries to read a postcard that's sticking like almost entirely all of the way out of a purse at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, That causes a fight. Seth is in his absolute most toxic worst in this moment. Um, And that's when they realize, oh shit, security sees us. And they make this daring escape where they load the tent with four mannequins wearing the hockey masks and they put on a copy of the Valley season one to draw the cops here. But here's the thing. If the cops are watching security and the most that these kids are doing are playing hockey and playing campground mm-hmm. in the middle of the mall, why is it a full squad of police with guns drawn already? And <laughs> like a guy in a sl- suit after hours, yeah. just like, it's like, this is literally just like turn on the fucking lights, <laughs> walk in and be like, hey, what's going on here? And they'll just be like, we got trapped in here. We couldn't get out. Yeah. It's like, all right, cool. We thought we were going to have to like rough it and Lord of Flies ourselves. for <laughs> Yeah. Oh, actually, no. Probably a better, more hip reference would be we'd have to uh, yellow jackets ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we got to yellow jackets ourselves out of here. Um, But, you know, they, they, Seth and, Seth and Summer uh, work out their differences. Um, it's so funny to me that now it's like, oh, Marissa and Ryan were the worst. Like, wasn't all mm-hmm. of first season like, you guys are the perfect couple. You're destined to be together. You're so cute. Like, now everyone's like shitting on on them. And Summer finally reads the postcard. And I'm just left thinking, God, Zach is a really good dude. I like Zach so much. Summer should date Zach. So, <laughs> like, um. But they look and and Ryan and Marissa seem to be on friendly terms again. That's when we get the last line of the episode. As Seth says, the Fantastic Four is becoming fantastic once again. 
And it's a very sweet moment. Also a sweet moment that could have potentially been a dumb moment. Uh, so Sandy and Caleb have a huge bonding in this episode. Uh, this broke set- my brain. I forgot about this. I'm like, oh, fuck. I can't. I can't with this right now. So Sandy notices Kirsten's not wearing her wedding ring. She says that she lost it. So he takes apart the sink in the kitchen to try to find it, being confident that it probably fell down the drain or something. And Caleb walks in while he's doing that. Caleb's upset that Lindsay has left. Again, the last Mm -hmm. time we'll ever talk about this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Sandy decides that he is going to go to the boardwalk and win a toy ring from one of the boardwalk games using the crane game just to prove his love to Kirsten, which is, I see where Seth gets it now. Yeah. Um, And he succeeds in this goal. And Caleb is supportive of it. He keeps providing him more and more quarters to make sure that this, that he can prove his love to, to Kirsten. And it's a cute moment. And then Kirsten reveals that she just had the ring hidden the whole time out of anger about the Rebecca thing. And we also got this very weird couple moments where it looks like Kirsten may cheat on, on Sandy with Carter, with Carter, the guy who wrote the ugly American magazine. Like how many, let me ask you this question. Cause I know that I'm going to have to deal with Lance for a few more episodes. Uh, how many more episodes do I have to deal with Carter? Or is this like a one episode shows up to tent Kirsten post Rebecca and then like kind of fizzles out shortly after oh here i'll give it to you this way for you will deal with carter for as long as you deal with lance oh they're a team (laughs) now uh let's talk about the lance of it all lance shows up and he's already starting some shit in the office he's there looking for julie he says he he's an old friend and he wants money it's basically a blackmail situation. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is it? What does he have over Julie? And it's revealed that Julie did porn, right? Yep. Now, here's where I have some serious pro- I went down a whole fucking mental gymnastics thing, right? So the porn that she's watching mm-hmm. is like your generic, we're going to write a porn scene for a TV show, which is always pizza delivery guy. Sure, sure. Right? But then it pans to the box and says the porn identity, which, funny pun, sure, this has nothing to do with the porn identity, like what we're watching at all. It doesn't make any sense why this would have that parody title. But what causes even more of a problem for me is that the Born Identity came out in 2002, and this episode came out in 2004. So did she do this last year? Because why else would she be in a porn called the Porn Identity? Like, they're not going to just make that movie if there isn't a giant famous movie called the Born Identity in theaters right then and there for them to, like, use the title like i'm so and listen i'm sure that there's someone who's going to be like yeah but that was based on a book look i've worked enough in the porn industry to tell you that they don't make porn parody titles out of obscure sci-fi novel titles like it doesn't happen (laughs) it has to be a gigantic majorly well-known and loved movie 
this like but joe my brain was falling apart wow (laughs) matt really said uh continuity error (laughs) yeah in a big fucking way (laughs) oh my god well okay it's so god why am i defending julie cooper they (laughs) i feel like why am i defending the writing on this show that's really what this is about um (laughs) Because there was some episodes that were good, and you're clinging to them for the for the life of you. Here's the thing, Matt. Like, you don't know how they make porn in this universe. There could be a lot That's of liter- there could be a lot of fucking literary porn. Also, to distill the born identity down to the fact that she had amnesia, and that was it. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And also, like, <laughs> sorry. I- Matt, and please, please feel free as someone who has worked in this industry. If you were going to, if you were going to have a, Jose, I need to clarify something real quick because there's definitely people who are listening who don't know. I was not in porn. I just I produce podcasts for adult actresses. Well, no. If you here's the thing, Matt. If you were in porn, this is me blackmailing you like Lance. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. With, yeah. I just want to clarify yeah. for the people who are listening. Like, and they're like, ooh, is there a Matt Kelly porn? Yeah. Ain't nobody want to see it. But it's like, like Joey's porno in Friends. He was just in the background. Yeah. <laughs> just in the background giving high fives. Um, no, so the thing about it is like to distill the porn identity down to just the main character has amnesia. And also, Matt, wouldn't it just make more sense if it was the porn identity, but it was like the main character was still Jason porn? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, Jason porn. And he like can't remember how he can't remember anything except that he fucks good. And then like he's running through all these women who are like, you know, secret agent stuff. Like it doesn't make sense to have her be the the porn the porn identity like janice porn i think is i don't know but and to your point like maybe there's like you know maybe there's like the hunt for red cocktober or something (laughs) like you know put down that smartphone and listen to me i'm matthew milligan professional musician and lifelong weird al fan Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Matt, before we move on, I need to ask you your feelings about like another in the same season another potential kirsten sandy debacle marital discord bullshit it's it's really frustrating because it would make sense it would make sense if it was happening simultaneously with the rebecca stuff Uh. right like she's feeling heartbroken but it's like we have now watched 
five episodes mm-hmm. where it is so repeatedly reiterated from Sandy that nothing happened and that Kirsten's the only girl for him and that he's madly in love with her. So like the idea that she would even start to continue that she would, con- she's not even continuing. She is now officially starting to look at someone else mm-hmm. is like beyond frustrating. Like I'm like, you, you should have tried to do these two stories in conjunction, right? Yeah. Like it would make way more sense if Sandy was so focused on the Rebecca stuff. And then this ugly American magazine guy shows up while all of that's happening. And she's like, well, if he's not going to give me affection, like Mm -hmm. this guy will, but Rebecca stuff's over. It's done with, I bet we never hear the name Rebecca again after this episode, Um, unless it's brought up in a fight or an argument later on. But like Sandy has done so many things to prove his faithfulness that it's like, it's so weird that now we're starting her search for like a potential, like it just, it doesn't, I I think it's a really bad writing decision, like a truly bad writing decision or save it for next season. Like, yeah, but like immediately following the Rebecca stuff, like it just, if it's so sloppy, this is like the sloppiest plot placement I've seen on the OC thus far. Yeah. I mean, but it's also, It's that thing that sometimes happens in media where you one the one partner's or one person's understanding of the situation is so like it's literally just a misunderstanding. Like even though like Sandy was very clear about like his boundaries with Rebecca and even though it always like it got so close, he never did anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but it just got close. They did kiss, but it's a kiss goodbye. It's like a sad kiss goodbye. And he got so close. He put he put Kirsten first. Um, ultimately, right? Like maybe there were yeah. like the moments where maybe there was there was bumps around along the way, but yes, ultimately he did. Ultimately, he puts Kirsten first. So it's like why? But then what happens? And it's that trope of like the other person thinking that, oh, they have permission to do whatever because he obviously didn't put me first, but it's just because their internal understanding of the situation is twisted and it's based and entirely informed about how they feel, right? How like how yeah. abandoned that they felt. So it's it's shitty. And I can't believe that it like happens in the same season with the remaining episodes that we have left. But again, like I said, and I've been teasing this a couple episodes for you, there's things that happen at the end of this episode where she, she meaning Kirsten, um, like there's a, there's something like very groundbreaking that happens. Groundbreaking to me, it's shocking and it's all setting up for that final, there's a final episode like cliffhanger going into season three. So it's going to be, it's. Ooh, she kills Caleb with her bare hands. Yes. <laughs> no. Uh, so I'm excited to see where that ha- that comes because we're down to nine or 10 episodes left in this season. Um, so it's going to have to start doing the wrap up soon. Um, now, Joe, we covered all of the things that made the Molisode the Molisode. Now I think it's time to talk about all the things that made the Beckisode the Beckisode. And that, of course, is the music used in this week's episode. So 
a lot of songs in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Seth and Summer are sitting in the diner conversing about um, how can they get things going correctly with uh, Ryan and Marissa, you hear Beck's missing playing. Um, when Alex and Marissa are talking inside their apartment, the Murmurs Big Talker is playing. Uh, when Marissa's cleaning the house in summer shows up, Latigre's TKO is playing. Uh, when they arrive at the mall, Pansy Division at the mall is playing. Uh, I'm not sure if you know anything about Pansy Division, mm-hmm. but fascinating group. Why would you think uh, I would they... know anything about Pansy Division? Well, I thought you might because they were the first ever queer core punk band. It was the first ever band of all gay men. Uh, so Ooh. they just wrote. And man, if you look at... Uh, yeah, I think you would be fascinated by the history of Pansy Division. Okay. That's a that's a fun little dive into it because they definitely wrote a lot of songs about being gay, and they made sure that you never questioned if they were gay when you looked at their album covers. <laughs> but they were on the same record label as Green Day. Uh, and then uh, then we get into the Beck part of the Beck episode for the second half. Once they're at the mall, we hear E Pro when they're playing the hockey game. Uh, K Onda Grando, uh, Jesus Christ! How about you just say the name of this song? Oh, K Onda Guero, uh, Guero. There we go, there we go. Thank you. You said it perfectly. Uh, that's playing when Lance confronts Julie at the restaurant. Uh, Scarecrow by Beck plays when Caleb and Sandy are playing a boardwalk game. And the final song of the episode is Beck's True Love Will Find You in the End. Toonfind also said that Girl by Beck plays somewhere in here, but I did not catch that one. It's in the beginning. It's in the very oh, beginning. Oh, that's the one. Yeah. It's not missing. Okay. It's, yeah. It's girl in the very beginning. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, they want you. It's the single from the album. So they really want to drive it home that this which is, is back. <laughs> which is funny because I think that it's not the biggest song from that album for people. Uh, I think the biggest song for people off that album is what I'm picking of the song of the episode, which is E-Pro. That song with that driving bass line when they're playing hockey I was like, fuck, yes, this song. I love this album. This whole like Beck album is one of my top Beck albums. So this was a fun musical episode for me. Um, I want to pick Girl. <laughs> okay. Because I do love Girl. First time you've ever wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, oddly enough. <laughs> well, okay. So the reason why I want to pick Girl is because it is so nostalgic for me. Like VH1 top 20, getting ready for high school, like just moved here, like to uh, California from Guam. And like junior year of high school is also when, like, this wasn't my junior year, but like the next year, junior high school is when I like, um, when I actually like had a girlfriend. So I did pick a girl. Uh, oh, look at once, that. But like, it was just so. It, it this song is like a time capsule. I posted something on my stories um, a couple weeks ago, where I I I heard on it was on my my music was on shuffle and Dave Matthews band Satellite comes on, Ooh, and it was yeah. just like that opening guitar riff and how everything comes in in, in like a canon. And it was just so beautiful. And it reminded me of the summer before seventh grade where I discovered the song and we were on vacation. I remember just thinking like, oh, my God, I feel like so deep listening to the song. No idea what the lyrics are about. And this is a and I posted like, hey, are there songs that take you back to like 
immediately transport you to a specific time period like with with utter clarity like i can't remember fourth from fifth grade what years those were but i can remember hearing satellite the summer before seventh grade i have one of those um for me it's similar vein similar time period um matchbox 20s the real world it was Mm. the last summer i spent with my first best friend it was this dude mac uh, we became friends in kindergarten. And then in third grade, he had moved to uh, what I later found out was only about a 30 minute drive from my house. But when you're a kid, that might as well be yeah. 10 states away. Um, so we would always try to meet up during the summer and on each other's birthdays. We'd always see each other on our birthdays. Mm-hmm. And like his family and my family were friendly. So they would go, we would go on vacation together and stuff like that. And, you know, over time, you guys especially kids like kindergarten throughout like middle school and high school and all that, you become different people and you start to like pull apart. And this was like the last summer that we really ever saw each other. Like we really started to like go our separate ways at that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember it was right when that song had come out and it felt like every time we got into a car to go anywhere, that song was on, on the radio. We watched a morning talk show before going to the beach. Matchbox 20 was on that talk show performing the song. We watched Leno before bed. They were on Leno playing it. Like it was like we couldn't escape that song. And now anytime I hear that song, I immediately think of of that last summer mm-hmm. uh together. Amazing. Yeah. No, music's great like that. And that's I, I have a similar vibe with Satellite. Satellite is not like my favorite Dave Matthews song by any mile, but similar to you like i hear that opening guitar plucking and it really does just like like i feel a time and place i can't place where i'm at in any of it but Mm -hmm. it's like i i feel that like in your chest level of nostalgia hit me yeah pretty fucking hard so hopefully joe this might be the last time we have to give this little talk it seems like conversations are finally happening at least for the uh the writers guild uh but until we get official confirmation. We're still going to try our best to to be uh, mindful, careful with what we're yeah, mindful of what we're talking about. Um, I mean, I'm going to talk about a Disney property, so I mean, I'm being a hypocrite a little bit. But scab, he's a scab. <laughs> get him. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, I'm Matt Kelly, and I can't not talk about the fact that the Muppets Mayhem uh that dropped on Disney Plus earlier this year is the best Muppets property that has dropped in probably over a decade uh it is it is charming it's funny it's heartfelt it's all of the things that you want the muppets to be uh you just don't want it to be coming from bob Iger because (laughs) fuck that guy and fuck the way that uh he's treating writers and actors right now but beyond that if you can get past that boy does it feel like an old school jim henson muppet show if you can get past the fact that you know we're they're treating them like (laughs) shit and trying to replace them with robots which the robots are not going to stick their hand up kermit's ass and make him go like that robots can't robots can't control puppets so (laughs) as far as i know i don't know but uh you know muppeteers will always have a job uh so pro muppets here is what i'm saying anyway joe that's all i'm going to say i don't want to dig a bigger hole for myself (laughs) you're not saying that you're not encouraging people to watch it which is the line that i've heard a lot on podcasts especially my pop like las culturistas they're like we're not promoting it we are saying that we've watched it yes yes i watched it and i 
as a Muppet fan, I enjoyed it. Yes, but you are not promoting do, it. We are not yeah, promoting do, Struck Properties. Yeah, do with that information what you will. That is just my opinion on the thing. Yes. So, I, I'm still in the middle of my Suits rewatch. I've made it to seasons that I've actually not seen before. And for whatever reason, I it's fall, right? And this is when yeah. I would normally start my rewatch of the Gilmore Girls. Um, and I never start from season one. I start from season three, Bracebridge Dinner, maybe. But what okay. I really want to talk about is a show that I people would be surprised that I know almost nothing about, which is The Great British Baking Show. Oh, you've never you've never dove into the joy that is uh, GBBS. No, I've never, I've never done it, and I'm now watching the first season that's on Netflix. So I think it's the first season that they become a Netflix show when they change the name from Bake Off, Great British Bake Off, to Baking Show because Pillsbury has a trademark in the United States on the phrase Bake Off. <laughs> I never knew that was the reason. That is totally the reason. (laughs) I am watching it, and I'm just like, I started watching it with my mom, and it's just a nice, like, end of the night kind of thing. Um, It is so delightful, and so, like, there's a lot, (laughs) there's the moments where there's, like, innuendo are really funny, because it's all, they're all British, so they're all trying to be really polite about it, but it's just, like, these people are amateurs, but like they're like almost professionals, the kind of things that we're they're telling they they need to be doing. And again, like the season that I'm watching is like I'm assuming it's like we're five seasons into the to the show as a thing. So it's just really fascinating to kind of see like these people bake all sorts of different things. And then it's like we put the subtitles on. Because there's people, we they're speaking English and we have no idea what they're saying. So I will say that uh, GBBS kind of, repl- after I finished my fall asleep to Gilmore Girls marathon, mm-hmm. uh, that's what stepped in next. Because it's an equally pleasant sounding thing to fall asleep to. There's never like screaming or yelling. It's a, it's like a calm mood, yeah. like jaunty little music. Um, so I have to. So you started at the beginning of what's on Netflix, because Netflix will force you to start with the newest season and work backwards, unless you like actively. Yeah, go I'm back starting there, from right? like collection five, or I think is what it's called. Yeah. So you are with, I mean, as you know, the hosts or the the judge. No, the judges mostly say the same, but the hosts have changed quite a over bit. Time. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you know. Uh, and I actually forget their names now because I'm so used to what was the the Matt Lo- Lucas and Noel uh, era that we were currently in. Now, this season that's about to air will not have Matt Lucas. He has left. Uh, Noel is still there as far as I know. But it was two women that used to do it. And I loved them so, so much. Um, specifically just the way that she would go, bake! <laughs> Ready, set, bake! <laughs> like, <laughs> And on that note, Joe, this wasn't the best, it wasn't the worst, but we got through the episode, and now we are in what I would say is probably the beginning of the end for season two of the <laughs> OC. I, I think the 
the there's only so many other mini seasons within seasons that they can do in 10 episodes the decline right if you will yeah uh so i'm i'm tuned wait a second hold joe i'm gonna ask you a question Mm -hmm. and i want you to be honest with me because i've said before that the only thing i know about the oc truly is the mm, what you say Mm -hmm. that's this season's finale right yes Okay, so there's a lot that still needs to happen because we have not even seen the man that we um what you said. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I guess we got to get through one more mini season before oh we meet God. the characters that lead to the final season. Uh, oh my but, God, all right. I love that. Like that's what it's going to be called from now on. It's like, oh my God. So we, you know, when SEAL Team Six got in there, got in there, and like mm, what you said, Osama bin Laden. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be back with more white people problems. listening to the Geekscape Network.